You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This week, we're talking to Eat Samatsi about tough subjects and trigger warnings. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I just finished a book that was great. Uh, it's called Pet by Akweke Amezi. Have you heard of this book? No. It's great. It's, um, so it is... I would say it's a middle grade sort of slash YA, but I think middle grade, I mean, people may, people may, speaking of tough subjects and trigger warnings, people may want to check. It's about um, a town in which uh, there used to be monsters, but they've all disappeared. All of the monsters have, have gone away. And um, is this a spooky book? Yeah, it's spooky-ish. Yeah, it's spooky. It has spooky adjacent. <laughs> spooky adjacent. Um, and there's a char- the main character's name is Jam. And Jam. Yeah, super oh. cute. And she grew up learning that in her town all the monsters have gone away. But then one night she happens upon a monster, basically through um one a piece of art that her mother made. And um the monster is there to sort of solve a problem that's happening near near in a place near and dear to Jam. And that's basically what it's about. It, um, lots of trigger warnings there. Uh, I would check that before you read this book, for sure. But it is a fantastic book. Um, it deals with sort of like what it feels. It's like the monster is real, but the monster is also metaphorical, if that makes sense. And it shows how people can be monsters and people can do monstrous things to children. And it's so it's like... I can see it being a really great teaching book, a really great book that could be in any school, you know, to like sort of talk to kids about tough subjects that uh, like in both a metaphorical and non-metaphorical way. But it is, it's a, it's a really well-written book. It's super short, um, great for younger readers, uh, as long as you check those trigger warnings. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, sorry, I'm, put, I'm adding this to my library list right now because I didn't realize this is the author that wrote Freshwater. Yes, yeah, which I never read. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to read this. Oh, and it, oh, it's YA. Okay. Uh, so I am reading a book that you can tell that I really, really want to read because it's got a fucking snake on the cover and I'm still reading it anyway. Still reading it. It's The Ninth, ho- Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. I, you know, it's so, it could have been that we were reading the same book because I'm waiting for this at the library. I just got it from the library, but heart, in hardcover. Right. So... Um, I've never read Lee Bardugo. She is a big YA fantasy author, and this is her standalone adult novel. Right. And it is so my shit. It is so your shit. You're going to love it. The writing is amazing. It's about this uh, woman. Her name is Alex. And at the beginning of the... I'm, only, I'm you know just in the beginning of the book, and you know that she used to live in L.A., Something bad happened to her, and she has these kinds of, like, supernatural powers. So she was drafted. That She got, like, a um, a deal by the secret society that was like all right you will give you a free full ride to yale but you have to work in the society that basically is like uh supervisors for this cult that of like super rich people that helps cultivate wealth for these like super super rich people in in yale and new york city um and they do some like supernatural activities in the society that she's been drafted into is the overseers of this to make sure that nothing goes wrong, basically oh, wow. like, like a guardian to make sure that what, well, like when they are um, like uh, the book, and this is not a spoiler. The book starts out with her overseeing this like uh ritual that the, that the society is doing of like uh, basically fortune telling in somebody's guts. Oh, wow. 
Uh, but the guy's you alive. You can go to Yale, but you got a fortune telling someone's guts. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, you know, and they're like basically looking at stock information in this guy's guts. But she is there to make sure that no supernatural beings like come into the ritual. And um, the book goes on, like, obviously things go wrong. And she like, um, so she's like trying to reckon with, with her past, but also work in the society and fight these supernatural forces. And it is so good. I love it a lot. And even though I have to keep it face down because the fucking snake on the cover. <laughs> uh, so that's The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. And mine is Pet by Okoike Amaze. Uh, Sean, are you reading anything new? Yeah, you are. Oh, wow. Glassers, oh, wow. this is a, this is a reading a glasses today. for us. Sean has a mic. <laughs> Not just stealing your microphone. No, how exciting. We have the full reading glasses for us on mic today. Mm-hmm. Sean, ready in his white t-shirt to talk about his book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I read um, The Stranger by Camus oh, last week. Oh, wow. Uh, I've never read that. It was great. Really? You've never read it? Yeah. yeah it's a great classic. Yeah. What's classic? About? Uh, Except A Stranger. Yeah. about uh, um, um, It's about a man who gets um, kind of embroiled in a uh, murder kind of, um, yeah, seemingly by accident, and and so he's not the one doing the murdering. Well, he is, but <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe a spoiler, but it sort of doesn't seem to matter because it's more like a philosophical book, right? Yeah. Also, it was written a long time ago. Yeah, you're allowed to spoil a book if it's written more <laughs> yeah. than twenty years it's ago. Like, <laughs> it's like sixty, seventy yeah. years old, yeah. and was translated from French. Oh, <laughs> yeah. there, hey, you reading a translated book? Hey, you're on your good. way to the reading glasses challenge this year. Very this good. year, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I finally finished because you know I'm a slow reader. I finally finished uh, all about love. Oh, how did you feel? I loved it. Did you? Okay, yeah. great. But, I mean, I read it over like like a page a day. Or but like that's kind of how to read that book, actually. Yeah, well, you want to digest it. Yeah, so I finished all about love, and I really enjoyed that book. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like a weird um, masculine take on life things. After reading that book, yeah, that's that is interesting. That's a I weird I mean, combo. I guess is that is like more of a fem- it's like a female take, a feminine take, strong feminine energy. Yeah, but, strong, like big but, feminine energy. Yeah, like a great book and yeah. very enjoyable. Yeah, but definitely comes with that, and that's cool. But also nice to like balance. To switch things. it up. Switch it up. Yeah. 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 Sean, I'm really proud of you. This is the most you've ever talked about a book on reading glasses. <laughs> I know, I know. And don't worry, next time we do an intro, I've got another one. Wow. Wow. What a, because so listeners, we, we're recording two episodes we're breaking at once through today. the drought. Wow. We really are. This is some bonus content for okay. glasses today. Okay. So thank well, you, thanks, Sean. Sean. All right, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We have some hot book tips from Marita. Wow, 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 wow. I love that we do a new sound every time. Kaka, kaka. So Rita says, thanks for answering my reader problem, which is how to rate books of short stories. You guys came up with a great solution. I wanted to share a couple of reader tips as well. Besides Libby, I also use Hoopla as a source for free ebooks and audiobooks from my library. People love Hoopla. Of, and we don't use it, but everyone else. A hype about Hoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I apologize for that one. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't apologize for who you are. 
Um, yeah, a lot of people really like Hoopla. We get a lot of we get a lot of fan mail about Hoopla. Um, but uh, Rita says, I was browsing through the app and found that under genres, they not only have the usual standards, mystery, romance, etc., but you can browse for books by African-American authors, Asian authors, Latinx authors, LGBTQ plus authors, LGBT plus graphic novels, Jewish authors, Muslim authors, and more. I found it a great tool to broaden my author list and find genre fiction that appeals to me by authors whose perspectives I might not otherwise have gotten. And there's practically never a wait list. So basically, if you have a library card, you can get Hoopla. Yes. I think, well, I think it depends on if your library uses Hoopla. So I think some, it's kind of like Libby and some Overdrive. Some use Overdrive. Okay, got it, yeah. got it, got it. That makes sense. Um, okay. The only drawback, Rita says, is there's only five checkouts a month. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a big drawback. That is a big drawback. I would reach that limit too quickly. Oof. Uh, another thing I just discovered at New York Comic Con is Penguin Random House Reader Rewards. I found this program at the Random House booth where oh, any- Oh, I thought you said awards, but you're saying rewards. Yes. Okay, cool. I think it's like credit, like- Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Where anytime you buy one of their books from any re- retailer online or brick and mortar, you can go to their website and get points that can be redeemed for free books. It's prh.com slash rewards. Don't worry, folks. I'll put it in the show notes. I've already racked up some points. I try not to buy too many new books for the sake of my wallet, but if I do, it's nice to get some frequent reader credit to put towards future free oh, books. Oh, that's great. Damn. I like that. That's dangerous. No, it really is. Um, we also have a wheelhouse from Kelsey, which is... Main character in a school where they face bullying slash discrimination, but ultimately succeed against all odds. This is a good one. Complex magic systems with strict rules. Sentient robots or AI. Bonus points for robot slash human love story. Wow. <laughs> Polyamorous or non-monogamous romances. Uh, autistic characters written by hashtag actually autistic authors. Found family. Found family is almost every, like I everyone like the last like, found, three we've had. Everyone had loves a to find family. a family. <laughs> People love... To go on a search and find that family. <laughs> where are they? Tra- I can't find them. It's a, tra- a game of hide and seek it's where you a- find your family. <laughs> They're behind the couch. Yeah. Um, untrusty, untrustworthy narrators and ambiguous endings. That people that's a that's people don't often like that. So yeah. that's that's a specific one. Roguish characters who are actually super sad inside and probably gay. <laughs> love a specific one. Wow. That's a very specific one. And I love it. Also very cute. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes and a quick bookmark from me. I want to thank everyone who voted for The Lady from the Black Lagoon on the Goodreads Choice Awards. The fact that we got on the ballot because so many people voted it or wrote it in made me burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Glassers, for the support of this book. Also, very exciting news for our Los Angeles, Southern California listeners. Uh, the news about my Los Angeles launch party is finally out. I can talk about it. Um, my very, very good friend and one of my favorite authors, Sarah Gailey. Their YA debut, When We Were Magic, comes out the same day as the paperback for Lady from the Black Lagoon. So we are having a dual launch party at the last bookstore. Ooh, fun. There's a link in the show notes to tickets, which is the same deal as uh, last time, where if you get a ticket, uh, it's just basically buying a pre-ordering a book. And you could pick either Lady from the Black Lagoon or When We Were Magic or oh, both. That's cool. uh, when We Were Magic is already one of my favorite 2020 books. It is a YA book about uh, girls and magic and friendship and it made me cry and fixed my insides uh i am so excited to celebrate with sarah when and is it what it's march 3rd mm-hmm. at the last bookstore 
and we are going to have an absolute blast if you want to join us. Sarah's going to do readings. I'm going to do a talk. We're going to be in conversation. We're both going to be signing. It's going to be super fun, and we would love it if you joined us. And we're going to have our final NaNoWriMo check-in with author Tom Merritt to see how he is doing during his NaNoWriMo challenge. Hopefully he is finished. We believe in him. We've been pulling for him all month. Hey, so here's my last NaNoWriMo update. It looks like I'm going to hit the word count and probably have to keep writing to finish the story, which is what happened to me last year. So I'm really happy where the story is going. I haven't had to blow too many things up, but there will be a death. I'm, I'm sorry to say. It's just, you know, it's what happens in a good story sometimes. Uh, I hope that my updates have maybe encouraged a few more people to try out NaNoWriMo. And even if you tried and it didn't work out this year, don't let that discourage you from trying again next year. Thanks, everybody. This week on Bullseye, Lin-Manuel Miranda on his dark materials, hip-hop, and life after Hamilton. I know it's the first line of my obituary. So if that line is handled, then what else can I do with my time here? It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. This week, it's all about reading tough subjects and books with trigger warnings. How does a trigger warning change your reading experience? How do you read a book you know has content in it that might make you uncomfortable and want to jump into a volcano? We've got (laughs) uh, writer and filmmaker Issa Matze in the studio today to talk about it. Issa, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. What are you reading right now? Um, I am reading, oh my God, I have. I have to look at it. You have, you have <laughs> it. We, okay. it's in I your don't know her we, name. I we just do this podcast every week and we have the same problem. Uh, every, every week, week Mallory can tell you that. I'm, I'm always reading. like, I don't know. Because uh, I read on a Kindle. Um, <laughs> and that's, so I never know the name of the author. Yeah. It's a big problem. It's called Night at the Fiestas. I it's amazing. I am in love with it. Um, her name, I want to look it up because yeah. I want to say it right. Uh, I think it's Kristen Valdez, maybe? Night at the Fiesta. Yeah, it looks like Kirsten Valdez. Kirsten Valdez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Q U A D E. In Spanish, what is that though? I think a group of writers. Cade. Wow. Yeah. Maybe Cade. Ooh. Okay. Sorry, Kirsten. Yeah. Sorry. Um. But I love your book. I'm sure she's fine. Um. What is it about? Um, oh, it's amazing. It's a it's a collection of short stories um, set primarily in New Mexico and um, just like a lot of like, they feel like memoir, but they're not just yeah. like a lot of like family dynamics and things like that. It's um, a, lot, a lot of like unspoken family secrets. Oh, awesome. into that. I yeah. really like it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very well written and beautiful. So can you tell us about your new book, Cam Girl? Yeah. Which uh, we both loved. <laughs> thank we you. Did. We, we did. Thank it, you. It is... Uh, it is well. Go ahead. I was going to say it's a read where the whole time I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I was like very concerned the whole time. Like I felt like it's not like oh, I couldn't. Like, yeah, I couldn't put it down. Like I was very like very worried about what was going to happen. Which obviously you're here. You're fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm alive. Spoiler: I, like, I live in this person's house. Don't go to his house. Like I mean, I know it's not a thriller, but like I felt like it was. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go tell uh, me. No, right. I mean that's good. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was fast. Uh, really pulled you through. Um, yeah. I mean. It's uh, it's a memoir. It's hopefully funny, also kind of serious, and ap- apparently thrilling it's, as it well. It is thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> you can put that on the back of the book. Thrilling. Thrilling. Thrilling, thrilling and it. funny. It is yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but it's about your time as a cam girl. Yeah, it's my, about my time as a cam girl. And it kind of, you know, I see it both as like obviously a standalone memoir, but also for people that are fans of cam, they can kind mm-hmm. of see where the real life inspirations came from for some of the things in the movie. Right. And talk about cam a little bit for people who haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, cam is a psychological thriller uh, starring Madeline Brewer. And it's about a webcam girl who kind of wakes up one day and she's been replaced online with an identical replica of herself. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. I saw it. Um, you can see it on Netflix now. It's yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's oh, on Netflix. Stephen King loved it. He did. Stephen King loved it? He How tweeted we know? about it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you that's just, like, really... there looking through his window. You're like, he loved it. He loved it. He was like, pretty good. And you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, scre- I literally screamed and then cried. Stephen King has like an online presence where he likes to talk about what he likes. Oh, I, yeah. I feel like in a way that like other super famous authors do. Don't. I wish all super famous authors did that. Because that's what we want to know, right? Is yeah, the stuff that it's true. Yeah, I'm like curious. I do want to know what like these famous people, like what is George R. R. Martin watching? Yes. Like, is does he enjoy it? it is it mine? Like, I want to know if it's mine. <laughs> well, that's why, you know, like Reese Witherspoon and Oprah's book clubs are so popular because mm. you just want to know what they're reading. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I am actually curious about what both of those people are reading. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so one of the re- the reason why we wanted you to ha- come on this episode is Cam Girl is the very first book that I ever read that ha- actually has trigger warnings in the front of it. Um, so was that your decision? Was that your publisher's decision? Yeah, well, no, that, that, was, that was my decision. That came out of actually two things. Um, my friends have a book club, and uh, there was a book that was read that was very triggering for a member of the book club. And we kind of had a conversation about that at a dinner party later and kind of got into a huge argument with another girl who kind of framed everything as, well, I don't have trauma, but I think trigger warnings are stupid. Ooh. To it. I like, I'm not allergic to anything, so I wish peanuts were in all things. Like, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> okay. Um, Must so, be nice. <laughs> yeah. My gosh, I wish. Um Yeah, so anyway, so it led to this, like, really kind of heated discussion that we all had, and I came out of it really feeling like it was the right choice for my book, personally. Was your publisher just, like, on board? Like, yeah, let's do this? Yeah. I mean, it was, we didn't even really talk about it. I just put it in the manuscript, and I was like, this is part of the book. Yeah, that is a power (laughs) move. You're like, this is, this is, this is, and if people talk to you about that at all? Like, they talked about the trigger warning aspect of it, or? No, I mean, you guys are the first, and I think that actually speaks to how non-intrusive trigger warnings are. I think most mm-hmm. people just pick up the book, they read it, and they don't even notice. And for those that have read it and have seen it, I know that, you know, some of my friends who read, like, earlier copies of the book were like, oh, that's so cool, you're putting it in there. Yeah, I yeah. thought I was fantastic. Because we talk about it on the show a lot. So, Bria, do you wish all books had trigger warnings? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because we do talk about it on the show, but there is no place, like, there is a website that you can go to called doesthedogdie.com, which we've talked about on the show in the past. Um, and people, it's like a, uh, it's like Wikipedia for trigger warnings, essentially. Oh, and you can go and like type in the book or the movie. It's mostly for movies, or, or just a specific trigger and mm-hmm. it will like bring, like, I'm afraid of snakes. Mm-hmm. Do not like snakes at all. B- <laughs> big, snakes, big snake phobia. And if I type in snakes, it'll bring in, bring up books that have snakes in them so I can avoid them. Mm. Um, but you can do that with things that actually are, Matter like <laughs> death. Like no, children. snakes matter. Don't 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 play your snake fear. Well, but I feel like my snake phobia is is not like is not as intense as someone's like fear of reading a book about murder. You know what I mean? Right. Like, sure. And I feel like that is a, an important distinction. Is that you know for me at least, I think trigger warnings speak to 
you know, trauma, PTSD, actual, like, mm. triggers are actual psychological reactions to things. And everyone has fears and phobias, which is also important to, like, be aware when we're entering into situations that are going to make us anxious. But I think a lot of the the spirals around trigger warnings get when people are like, oh, well, what about this thing that some people are scared of? Or what about this? And then and then you, you get out of it. And I think at its core, if a trigger warning, if we're talking about trauma, that's a really clear way to define it. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, yeah, I I definitely wish all books had this. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like movies have gotten to where you can like find this about movies. That's what I mean. Yeah. Is that no one's no? I mean, not any. I guess maybe when it first started, but no one's pitching a fit about rating systems or like those like you know nudity will be in this film. Like no one's freaking out about that. And, and also, those are like weirdly specific. Like yeah. in a movie, it'll be like Western violence, and you're like, <laughs> as if someone's like, yeah. I hate, fucking hate like, cowboys. Give, listen, inner city violence, fine. But if there is, uh, I see one fucking cowboy. If there's a lasso involved. Don't you over. dare! It I'm freaked done. out. But I mean, honestly, it must be something that that got so specific in the rating system. Yeah. So it's interesting there isn't one for books. Because there's so many books that are like, it's about a middle grader, but hey, there's a murder in it. Like, so yeah. there is like things that you kind of need to know when you're thinking about books specifically. Yeah, I like, I would love to know if a book has a rape in it. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. Also, 100%. trigger warning for this episode, we will be talking about <laughs> trigger warning. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. Like, I think books, I think it would be great. Books could be like movies, like exactly like your book, just like in the beginning, like, hey, contain scenes with either rape, assault, violence, murder, child abduction whatever like the like big ones that can trigger somebody's trauma and it's just one fucking page like and we already classify books that way right so like on amazon or whatever my book is broken into the categories that it is and one of those is like sociology of abuse right Right. it's it's in there you know and so we already kind of do have ways to categorize books like this so it's it's not so much to say one step further of just putting that somewhere in the book yeah and i mean that's interesting those categories like, like that because it also means that if I am looking for that and I can find it, you know, like I didn't even know that was a category, but like yeah, if I Amazon am Amazon like, gets, they get real. The they get <laughs> You're like, what? Fun weed. Yeah, well, I'll show your Western violence up. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. So do you guys think that trigger warnings change the reading experience at all? No, abs- I don't think so. I mean, like, is it going to be like a spoiler? Yeah, like, I'm that's like, what I oh, mean. It turns out there is a there's sociology of like, abuse in here. Yeah, I, well, I don't. I, I honestly think it's just like the movies. It's like when you see a warning in the, like PG thirteen, you're not, and it's like you know frontal nudity. The whole movie, you're not like, oh, okay, oh my god, the frontal nudity is going to be coming. Oh my yeah. god, and like it's not like spoiling. It's not spoiler spoiling, yeah. spoiling anything. And it, I, I think you just forget. I think it war it, like if if it doesn't affect you, you just forget about it immediately. Totally. I think I think you don't even read that page. You just like glance at it and move on. Yeah. yeah. But if yeah. you are well, a person who is triggered by anything like that, it gives you the opportunity to put that book down or to at least, you know, like, okay, this book has something in it that might make me upset. Like I'm going to read it in bed or like, I will make sure I'm not reading this in public, you know? Right. Or, or you read it and you're like, oh, cool. I got through that part, you know, like, you know, you've like hit it and you can move on from it and you're like, cool. I know that was there. It's not going to be, there's not going to be something else that's going to be, you know, triggering. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that, you know, came up out of this book club is that, you know, my friend was saying like, oh, I I would still read the book. I still want to participate in book club. Mm -hmm. I just need, I just want to know, I don't want to be like on the bus on my way to work and all of a sudden be blindsided by this thing that's going to upset the rest of my day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So you could like, you can take care of yourself in a way that you know that like, yeah, don't read it on the bus. The bus (laughs) is a horrible place to read a trigger warning. (laughs) Yes. I don't understand. Yeah. You don't want to be sobbing next to the sleeping seatmate that you have. Right. Exactly. 
you're no like, one you wants can't to get cry off for like plane. 12 more hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, cr- no plane crying. Uh, so, but if you know a book covers tough subjects, if you're like reading a trigger warning, like why would, like you as readers, why would you continue? You know, like it, it I, I think that it's interesting to see a trigger warning and like you'd be like, okay, well, there's a bunch of murder and tough stuff. What pushes you forward? I mean, I think there are a variety of reasons. Like, first of all, if you want to participate in something like a book club, yeah. if you want yeah. to participate in conversation, like peer pressure, it. yeah, <laughs> peer pressure. Um, but also, just like I read books that trigger me a lot all the time um, because I think it's important to to understand how other people are processing their trauma and yeah. to experience. It informs how I process my own trauma and my own experiences. Books are kind of for me, at least about a shared experience. And I enjoy sharing those experiences and I enjoy understanding other people's perspective on things, even if those things are triggering to me. But I definitely, you know, appreciate knowing kind of when and how I'm going to be consuming that content. Yeah, it gives you the chance to consent to it more, I think, which is that's hmm. interesting. Is like, yeah. I am the kind, I'm the same way. I'm the kind of reader that like, I like to see how characters are handling certain situations but I like to be able to choose that like I sometimes I'm in the right mo- mindset for that sometimes I want to read about a bunch of puppies in a field right yeah. <laughs> and I mean I, mean, I, I don't th- actually think I've ever read that book if listeners know puppies and fields books please email <laughs> us puppies and fields but bye. I think like sometimes you're like you know what I'm going through this thing I want to see how a, car- a fictional person is dealing with it I'm in a mindset I'm ready I, I guess the the thing that I'm asking with this question is do you think because a big uh, argument against trigger warnings. Do you think it would deter a reader? I'm. Oh, sorry. No, no, God. Oh, no, I was gonna say like I think going back to my book, you know, it is about consent. Yes. And I especially my my book is bubblegum pink and it's funny <laughs> and it's about sex and I wouldn't want anyone to be caught got caught off guard by some of the more serious content in there. I wouldn't want someone to feel, you know, kind of almost attacked by that. And I think going back to consent, like if someone doesn't want to read my book because they are not in a space to safely process the content in my book, then I absolutely do not want them reading that book. Their safety and, you know, is so much more important to me than that. And I think that, um, you know, giving people that choice of consent is, is so important. And so, you know, whether or not it does deter reading, I think is kind of beside the point because why do we want to force people into situations to read books or watch movies that are going to be harmful to them that's how you get a one-star review on amazon (laughs) i feel like that's like a weird that like the only person making that argument is like a corporation (laughs) it's like a publisher who's like well we have to have everyone read this book but who cares about whether or not they get hurt by what they did with the um harper lee book where everyone was like, oh, it's a sequel to Kill a Mockingbird, but it right. isn't really. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I feel like as authors, I mean, y'all can probably speak to this a lot better, but it it just feels, you don't want someone coming up to you and being like, I did not, I was fooled by your book. Like, That's, that must be a horrible <laughs> feeling. That's what I mean, as I feel like this makes a better informed reader, so you're going to, you're going to find, your book is going to find its audience better. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And if you think about yeah. it, there's like there's murder in all almost every like there's something there's some kind of darkness in so many different kinds of books. You know, mm-hmm. even cozy mysteries have fucking murder in them. It's like cute murder, but it's still murder. You know, yeah. and having giving making readers more informed. I don't. I just can't see unless someone really, really either either didn't believe in trigger warnings or like was offended by them, which is. Hilarious in itself. Uh, Someone's offended by trigger warnings. They're like, I'm triggered by this trigger warning. (laughs) Well, some people think that they're just like, you know, oh, people just need to suck it up or whatever, you know, which is stupid in their trash babies. Uh, But I I just don't see anybody, unless like they're really in a bad space, picking up a book and going, oh, well, there's, you know, this book deals with 
psychological trauma or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and like putting it down. Well, and I think a lot of people bring this up in the context of college and academia and like, oh, how are you supposed to participate in a class if we're giving you a trigger warning on the reading for the class? But I think that if that's done with enough time to say, hey, to participate in this class, you're going to have to read tough subjects. That's what college is about. College is about pushing you out of your comfort zone Uh and kind of, you know, opening yourself up to these new ideas. But if it's framed in a way where it's like, here's the book we're reading. Here's what you need to know about it. However, you need to read this book, read it. I have not even thought about this for colleges. This is how old I am because I've been in a college for <laughs> so fucking long. Um, but, um, yeah, of course, because there's so many books that, like, I mean, definitely books I read in college that were super, that, I mean, I guess I knew what I was getting into because I'm taking, like, you know, a feminist trauma class or whatever <laughs> I was taking, you know? But, like, yeah, that's interesting. I, I haven't thought about that conversation in, in, in like, yeah. context of a college. And, I mean, I had a professor who would kind of, you know, this was before trigger warnings really were a thing, but but he would say, you know, it was one of the toughest classes I had. We read some really brutal books. but And he kind of said, you know, like, this book is really hard. This book is really tough. Like, be sure that you are in a space to read this when you read it. I, but you need to read it by next Friday or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but it, it, I really appreciated that, you know? Yeah, oh, for sure. So, Bria, when you're reading a tough book, do you have, uh, like, a regimen? You're like, okay, I'm going to carve out a seat in this giant marshmallow. I'm going to yeah, yeah. grab my dog. <laughs> under the rainbow. Yeah. Like, where's that puppy field? Where's where that located? <laughs> hook, me up with, hook me up with that puppy field, please. Um, I, I, I do read in chunks. So, oh, that's smart. And this is particularly with, like, I feel like the ones that are, like, the hardest for me are sort of, like, memoir-esque sort of books that have, like, things that I'm like, oh, this really happened to somebody. That makes it really tough. And, like, um, so I'll do, like, a chunk. So I'll do, like, a chapter and take a break and go read my, like, science fiction book set in space or something <laughs> and then go and then read it. So it takes me a while to get through a book like this, but yeah. um, I will eventually make it through. It just takes it takes a hot minute for sure. What, yeah. what about y'all? What do y'all do? Oh, yeah. I'm still making my way through Roxanne Gay's collection that she yeah. edited, Not That Bad. Because mm. uh, it's not even, is it? it's just like hitting you on all fronts because it's just the kind of book that makes you upset but also makes you fucking mad. So, like, I can only take one of them at a time. And the essays are all incredible. Roxanne Gay did an amazing job with editing it and curating all these essays. But they're rough reads. So I'm definitely, like, if I know I'm going to, like, I'm not going to bring that book to the beach. You know, I'm going to get some bourbon and sit in bed with my cats and like be in a space where I am comfortable and no, no one's going to like make sure my roommate's not home that night just in case I'm going to do some crying in the tub. <laughs> like just like because I don't no one wants to be blindsided by this stuff even. And you, I think what happens is a lot of people might not. I think we're still in the stage where where the conversation around mental health and trigger warnings is still evolving. So people yeah. might not, people, some people might think, oh, wow, I've never been raped. So rape isn't a trigger for me. And then all of a sudden they read a scene with a rape in it and they're like, oh, this is upsetting to me. Like, hey, maybe that's a trigger for you. Yeah. But right. we're still, we're still all learning what these things mean and how they apply to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that's why it's always better to just kind of defer to what people tell you. And, you know, it's so easy to look at, for example, you saying, oh, I'm scared of snakes. I mean, to be like, oh, well, you're scared, whatever. But maybe that is a legitimate trauma for you, and that is a legitimate trigger Snake for you. Snake my whole family. Yeah. <laughs> but you never know. But that's the thing is you never know, and it can yeah. be something as silly as, as you know, snakes on a plane or whatever. Yeah. And to someone that could be, 
incredibly, incredibly triggering. And I yeah. think that's why it's always better if we're trying to create like a community where we're taking care of each other to just listen to people and yes, hear what they sure. say. And so if a trigger warning isn't detracting from those that don't have trauma, it's not in your face, it's just a little page on the side of your book, then yeah. what's the harm in, in in you know, doing the extra step for those that might be seriously affected by something, yeah. you know? Like, I joke about it a lot, but like, if I like, if I see a snake, like I will, I have, I, this actually happened recently. I did an event at the uh, Los Angeles Natural History Museum for it Halloween. Was full of snakes. Oh, it really was full of snakes. <laughs> was it really? Oh, well, I, I didn't realize. They so they had, it was like a big Halloween event and they had, one of the things at the museum was they like had like real life creepy crawly things. And I, as soon as we walked in, I was with my, my boyfriend. And the, the worst thing was that they had free food for all the event participants but it was on the other end of this hall of full of, there was a live leech display, live spider display, and oh, then live snakes. Leeches. And what's funny is I'm totally good with leeches, totally good with spiders. You had to walk through a spider garden, but they had a live garden. snake out. And it was like. Wait, like the spiders can get to you? Yeah. Wait, no. what? Yeah. You can just. Talk. At the National History Museum? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and this, I saw a snake out of the corner of my eye. And like, I, again, I make, I joke about this all the time, but like, I. I don't even remember. I literally turned and just started running and was like <laughs> hyperventilating, could not breathe, freaking out. I'm sorry out. I'm laughing, but the imagine yeah. you doing that in a natural history museum is a little funny. Especially like <laughs> I'm in my author ghetto, so I'm in like, you know, a suit. <laughs> and heels that you like can't walk in? No, I, I always wear flats, okay. but I have like my black <laughs> lipstick and I'm carrying a cocktail. And you're like, no snakes. And I am running, like <laughs> oh, freaking the fuck out. So and like, I wish I would have known. Well, yeah, so what would you have done differently if there had been a hmm. sign that said like, Warning, contains snakes, leeches. I would have been like, spiders. no fucking free sandwich is worth going into. <laughs> and my poor boyfriend like went in there himself and looked for food for us and like held, like guided me around the museum for the rest of the time. But I, if I had known, like I wouldn't have gone in there and I wouldn't like, I went into that event freaked out. Yeah. Like, when I had to pump, like speak in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, exactly, which like legitimately affected the rest of your night. Yes. And that's. And, that, and that's what this is about. I was yeah. just at Disney World and you know they have a, like, they do have a sign and uh, it, they have this place where you can go and look at bats. Mm-hmm. And I guess bats are really scary Yeah, some to people. people get really freaked out by Yeah, bats. and there's a sign that was like, if you want to see bats, go this way. If not, like, it was like, you know, it was like a path so you kind of had to see everything. But the bats was the one place where you could go a different direction. That's really smart. Like, you could go mm-hmm. around the building and not have to go look at the bats. I you wish could go it was like a choose-your-own-adventure book where you're like, <laughs> I'm going to skip over this murder yeah, scene. Yeah, skip over the bats. Yeah. Skip over the snakes. I mean, we give people warnings about, like, like epilepsy warnings in displays, yeah, too. That's true, it's like, right. this this has flashing lights, and yeah. it's like, PTSD, trauma, anxiety, those are actual medical conditions. And yeah. so, like, if we frame them like that mentally, I think it makes sense to give warnings of things that could you know, trigger them. I, I And I think I'm really glad we talked to you about how you put it in there because I think a lot of, there's a lot, uh, publishing is a big ship and big ships turn slowly and there's a lot of resistance like, oh, if we're going to put trigger warnings, like how are we going to format them? Where are we going to put them? And I think it'd be great if all authors just like started putting it in like right before their dedication page, like just put it in the fucking manuscript, just put an extra page. It's very easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. And put that's a why I just said. I asked my agent. I was like, if I just put this in, he's like, yeah, they publish your manuscript. So if you just put it in your manuscript, you're a fucking there genius. It is. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> it seems so easy when you say it like that. But I'm, like, yeah, do, I'm working on three books right now, and I'm gonna put trigger. I'm gonna go home and just put a trigger warning page in them. Yeah, why not? Fucking try like, to stop me. Yeah, <laughs> they publish the manuscript. I mean, that's a really good way of looking at it. I think that's really really cool, and I would. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear lis- what listeners think of, of trigger warnings. Um, even like because I think. Sometimes we think like, oh, it's going to be right at the front of the book, like a big sticker or something, or like it's going to be like the paper 
clip from Microsoft Word, and it's going to be this annoying thing that keeps coming up. Like, 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 like caution tape. Yeah, yeah, that guy's name like, is Clippy or something. Oh, God. Clippy, yeah. yeah like, Clippy's going to come out and explain it to Trigger. you. Yeah. Trigger warning guy. Trigger, He's just yeah. yelling at you. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so non-intrusive. I think that's really what people need yeah. to realize. But it could yeah. mean the world to a reader. And like you said, Bria, when someone's ready to read about that stuff, like, it could attract somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More than anything. Like, mm-hmm. we all, we love a specific wheelhouse. Yeah, we love specific <laughs> books that, that are help, help us figure out what we're going through. I mean, I'm reading a book, the, well, the one I just said, Night at the Fiesta, is like, there's family trauma in that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, there's no trigger warning in it, but it does have that kind of on the jacket. And I picked it for that reason. Right. I said, this is the space I'm in right now. This is kind of the stories I want to I wanna process. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think it, it finds your readers, too. Yeah, I definitely think, if anything, it would attract more people because i we get reader recommendations all the time it's like hey i just went through a breakup or hey i just went through a death or hey i just went through this i want to find a book to help me process that these yeah. would help them yeah and like the only people who would be turned away are trash babies who don't mm-hmm. believe in being nice to people yeah so <laughs> and we always recommend therapy is uh, in addition the, to a book <laughs> just to point that therapy out. for everything <laughs> therapy um, is great i love therapy <laughs> there's a my favorite show of the year doom patrol there's a great scene where my favorite character who's played by brendan Fraser, like all the characters are talking about this tough thing and he just starts standing up and goes just starts chanting the word therapy over and <laughs> over really again and i feel like that's the mood we're in in 2019. Uh, so you can send your thoughts on trigger warnings and tough subjects to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we solve a reader problem, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, it's Jesse Thorne. We're very happy to announce that tickets for MaxFunCon 2020 will go on sale Friday, November 29th at 11 a.m. Pacific. I also want to let you know, this coming year, MaxFunCon 2020 will be our last MaxFunCon for the foreseeable future. For 2020 and beyond, we're going to be looking for ways to connect with more of you in person and spread the spirit of Max Fun farther than it's ever gone before. In the meantime, if you want to join us at the last Max Fun Con in Lake Arrowhead, June 12th through the 14th, you can find details at maxfuncon.com. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Nina writes in, My neighbor and friend Emily and her husband have a small publishing company, and I try to support her via their Kickstarters and giving positive ratings to the books they publish, including her own novella series on Goodreads. But I wonder how else you think I might be able to support their work. Folks, how do we support smaller creators? I mean, I think word of mouth is super important. I think the more that you're talking about the books that you love, sharing them with your friends, giving them as Christmas presents. Oh, yeah, that's a good You know, um, I always love giving books for, for Christmas as well. And I think that's a really good way to get um, some of these smaller voices out there and or smaller publishing companies out there. Um, and also can really, like, open people up to a whole new writer that they've never even heard of before. So I think that's a gifts are a great way. Gifts are it. a good way. I was going to say, writing into a podcast and talking about it. Yeah. Is, I was like, oh, wow, this person. Nina is a smooth move. Yeah, yeah. I'll plug it. It's called, what is it called? We're, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But what is the name? I can't figure it out from the web from the website. Uh, oh, Athis. Athis Arts. It's called Athis Arts. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that's good. I will also say, um, it looks like I went and looked them up because I was like, well, this person believes in this company enough. I'm going to go look look that up. Um uh, so, you know, writing into a podcast, that's great. But also, um, this company seems to run Kickstarters for their, a lot of their books, which is a really A lot of smaller publishers do. Hmm. And, and is it, it's basically like a way to pre-order the book, right? I mean, yeah. if you think about it, it's just like you're paying for the book that you're going to be making. 
as a person who's been involved in past Kickstarters, um, I will say giving people a break on their Kickstarters is always really nice. So, like, you know, one of their Kickstarters is for um, a graphic novel. And I will, I've been working on a graphic novel. My artist has been working on it for over a year now. Wow. So it just takes a long time. So if you give to that Kickstarter... And then they write the graphic novel, which took me six, seven months. And then the artist. So it's a two-year process to make a full graphic novel, you know, yeah. like a full, like 120-page, whatever, graphic novel. So like giving them a break, you know, like supporting their Kickstarter and then just knowing that shit is going to arrive sometime, but it is not going to arrive in a year. It is going to arrive in like two or three years <laughs> yeah. and update your address in that Kickstarter page because it's going to arrive to your wrong house. Yep. But Correct. I love that though. I love surprise presents on Kickstarter. Yeah, like you really almost exciting. forget about it and then you're like, oh my God, a present to myself. I oh, know. Yeah. You know, I've done food ones, which is like, I'm not Food made Kickstarters? Them, but I gave to this one Kickstarter that was a Who's bakery. Ki- Oh, uh, and I was like, they who's kickstarting food? They were like a bakery, and I was like, oh, this is cool, whatever. It was like a bakery in Austin, Texas, and it was like a vegan bakery, and I was like, I'm into it, and I gave to it, and I totally forgot. And then I got a package of baked goods, like, a year later or something, because it took them a long time to open, and it was the greatest gift. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> it's like getting those, like, I wish I could have more subscription boxes, because those feel like just such a wonderful yeah. surprise when they mm-hmm. get here. It's true. I only have one, and it's just the greatest day of my month. Oh, where your, I, when your it snack arrives. box? I get a vegan snack box, and it is... On brand. I know. I wish I got, I want those makeup ones. Anyway, whatever. So I, I <laughs> uh, what about you? What do you? How do you think they should support? Yeah, I'm actually on the tell people about it train. Uh, a lot of books completely live and die by word of mouth. And a pe- I think a lot of people don't realize that big books are big because they're pushed. It's just like in films, like, you know, Marvel movies have, like their advertising budget is just as big as their shooting budget. Like in a lot of these publishers, like they get these big, big books they get pushed, you know, they have the the marketing money for advertisements on websites, on buses. Uh, like, um, I, w- I just went to go see uh, an author event, my friend Erin Morgenstern, and she's a huge author. And you get, you went, I went to the Barnes & Noble to see her speak and like they had a massive Erin Morgenstern, Starless Sea Banner, like tons mm-hmm. and tons of stuff. And like, it takes money to do that. Or like the end caps or whatever. Yeah, like I that mean, kind of stuff. to get to get on an end cap in Barnes and Noble, you have to pay, your publisher pay, pays for that, mm-hmm. you know, to get like only certain books get in a bookstore. I think a lot of people don't realize it's not just like a meritocracy, like a, you know, big publishers, like at the, right in the beginning of when a book is coming out, they decide how much publicity and marketing they're going to put into it. So uh, there's a lot of books out there that are amazing, but they just, for whatever reason, didn't get that push or with or, or they're with a smaller publisher. So, but they can get big just by word of mouth if they're a great book. I think um, one of my favorite books of the year, Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett, like that came out from Tin House, which is a smaller publisher, but people loved it so much. It just got so buzzy. And then that started building and building and building. So recommending books, posting about them, giving them, uh, you know, talking about them on social media is fantastic. Reviewing them on Amazon or Goodreads is fantastic. Uh, besides reviewing online or pre-ordering, just talking about a book or recommending it to someone is the best thing you can do for it. Like, we, we, I think we, because we don't review books on the show, I think we forget how much people just want to get books recommended to them. Yeah. Everything I read, basically, someone told me to read. So Yeah. You aren't yeah. looking at blogs or anything. It's like all word of mouth kind of stuff. Um, yeah, or online, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone will just, like, tweet, like, oh, my God, this book. And yeah. And that really, yeah, I'm like, okay, that I want to check that out. so much more than yeah. any review I will ever read. When someone I follow is like, I'm reading this, and it's amazing, like, that book goes to the top of the list for sure. Oh, yeah. So if they're... Um, if there is a smaller publisher that puts out a book or a, an author that is self-publishing or whatever and you want to help them, the best thing is just fucking tell people about it. Yeah. 
Like there's, and like, you know, buy them and that's great. But like spreading the word is the truly greatest thing. Like I hear people all the time like, oh, I love that book. I just didn't tell anybody about it. I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like your favorite restaurant, like where you're like, I just don't want anybody going there, which is also, I guess, rude. But (laughs) (laughs) you should tell everyone about your favorite restaurant as well. Even though then that means you have to wait a really long time. Yeah. People are going to find it. People will find out about it anyway. I should say it's LA. Most people don't live. Well, it's like that thing where, you know, people are bummed out. Like the book doesn't get a sequel or like a a second season. It's like, oh, well, I didn't really tell anybody about it. I'm like, well. Yeah. Show mm-hmm. what you love. Yeah. Bit, quit being so punk rock about it. You, you, can't, you, can't, you might be the first person, but you won't be the last person. <laughs> uh, so, Isa, where can we find you online and where can we buy Cam Girl? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm at Isa is wrong on social media. <laughs> and um, uh, I have, you know, my book is at all major bookstores, indie bookstores. But um, if you want a signed copy, you can get it from the Boulder Bookstore. Nice. Um, and I've signed them all in multicolored gel pens. So they're amazing. <laughs> you definitely want it. And you're on book tour. You're going, you're going to be speaking places. People should go figure out where um, you are. Yeah. I mean, for right now, before the holidays, I'm just doing my uh, LA event next week. And then that's kind of taking a pause for the holidays. But yeah, I'll, I'll be spamming everyone, all my events always so right. yeah cool. awesome so if you want to solve your reader problem you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com as always we want to thank danielle and kathy who run our facebook group and chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page and remember that you can buy reading glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the maximum fun store this link in the show notes oh quick question isa what is your wheelhouse like what are what is it we, we, we ask this to all of our guests like what are any subjects or tropes that will always get you to pick up a book Post-apocalyptic dystopian sci-fi. Nice. <laughs> We're on the same page. <laughs> there we go. Big, big, wheel, big, big uh, wheelhouse subject around here. Yeah. Uh, so if you like the show and you want to help us out like those small indie publishers, you can tell people about it. And uh, one of the things that really helps us is rating, review us, rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more readers. Sometimes people will look at our podcast and go, oh, wow, they've got this many reviews. Should I should probably check it should out. Should check it out. Yeah. Mm. So very helpful. And that's totally free. It takes about a minute. Thank you so much for doing that. We're almost at 800, which is awesome. Uh, cruising towards there. I don't think we're going to do anything for 800, but we're definitely going to do something for 1,000. So if 200 people... Yeah. Come on. Okay. Yes, great. I you actually s- like, I thought you, you oh. had a plan. You look no. like you had a plan. Okay. No. All right. No we'll come up with something. I just think it'd be really cool. I think. Just we, say we you have a plan, but it's a surprise. It's, it's a, a surprise. It's a great. Guys, it's really cool. I promise. <laughs> We're going to do a drawing for a Australian cruise with Sean. <laughs> <laughs> One lucky reviewer gets to go to the outback. It's going to show you where all of the kangaroos live. <laughs> But no snakes. No snakes. No snakes. Oh, yeah. I'm not going. Yeah. (laughs) The the reviewer can go. Uh, You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks for reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.